Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. I am your host, Tyson Bryden. Today, I'm very happy to welcome back a man who needs no introduction from Damon Johnson and the Get Ready, Damon Johnson. Damon, how are you, man? <laughs> I had to put that in there. <laughs> I, I appreciate that introduction very much, Tyson. Thank you. I'm, uh, I am so proud to be a member of of Damon Johnson and to get ready. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So it wasn't long ago that we spoke. I think it was last fall, maybe. I think the single had just dropped for Battle Lessons. and um, yeah. The album wasn't out yet. Uh, we were all waiting in anticipation. Um, it's been out for some time. I I guess we're still waiting on the vinyl, obviously. And you, yes. You know all about that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, listen, I think the vinyl, uh, I wouldn't call it a nightmare, but it has definitely been a wacky labyrinth. I'm happy to report, Tyson, that I think that that little chapter is about to come to an end. I'm uh, fully hoping that we get an inventory literally uh, in the next 10 days. And I got, got my fingers and toes crossed, but they're telling me we're looking good, so... I was holding Excited. off. I was holding off to listen to it. I was like, I'm waiting for the vinyl, but obviously oh, I had no. I had to be prepared to talk to you. So I was like, Well, I'm gonna have to listen to it. So, oh man, well, thank you, thank you for listening, uh, and thanks for your patience with that vinyl. It's really good, though. Really impressive. I was like, Shit, man, this is really good. <laughs> oh, listen, man, this is this record is legit. Everything about it is legit. You know, I'm grateful when people say nice things about it. I've put out other records or been a part of other bands where maybe I needed some of that reinforcement from other people. Yeah. Man, nobody's got to tell me that Battle Lessons is strong. It's The songs are great. The production is first class. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of the you know the the riffage the guitar energy that that really populates every song yeah. um i've said it before tyson i feel like battle lessons is is like the record that 19 year old me was dreaming of making one day like man i'm if i could ever be a musician myself you know or be an artist yeah. I'd love to make a record like this because the, the, I think I was really listening to a lot of the same music uh, over the last couple of years that I was listening to as a kid. You know, I'm, 
I, I still enjoy putting on records uh, from that time period in my life as much now as I did then. So it was fun to just kind of release myself to be influenced by that stuff and not yeah. think about anything, man. Not, not worry about what somebody else thinks or what radio is doing or what the culture is doing or what what anybody wants. I just, yeah, made the record I wanted to. Well, before we, we discuss some of the tracks... I gotta ask about the cover. It looks awesome, man. It it pops like those colors look really awesome. Oh, uh, thanks, man. Um, all all credit to my very talented brother-in-law, Carl. Um, he's an he's an extremely talented uh, artist. Does a lot of graphic artwork, and he. Um, I remember one day I was I was sitting at home kind of killing some time and I uh, I got a text message from him and I went to his Instagram page and his entire page was just art you know there weren't really he doesn't use, yeah he doesn't really use that as a place to put up pictures of his kids and his family um, so I just started looking around and there were multiple things that just jumped out at me and I texted him I was like wow man you've been busy like this stuff is fantastic. Um, and by the time he wrote me back, I already centered in on that image that is now the album cover of Battle Lessons. And to me, when I look at that piece of art, it just looks like a force. I guess you looking at me, it would come from this direction. Yeah, you know, right. there's, an, there's an energy coming, you know, uh, left to right, and then it hits this other force, and then it explodes, you know, out the other side. And... Technicolor and um, I don't know. It just felt like the perfect image to represent this creative outburst of songwriting that I had, uh, mostly with my collaborator Jim Shoglin. Uh The songs came fast. They were kind of easy, Tyson. They, you know, it wasn't a labor in any way, man. We were just—I was having fun. I, this chair I'm sitting in right here, man. This is where I make my demos and work on my lyrics and stuff like that. So I was just, I was really content to be down in this room. And, you know, my wife and the kids would literally come down to check on me like, what are you doing? Are you okay? I'm like, oh, I'm having a blast. I started another song. So that, awesome. album co that album cover to me represents that, that energy. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Now, the latest single is Talk Yourself Into Anything. I, you know what? I look, I look at the song titles and the song titles on the last album, and we we did kind of touch on those last time. I'm like, where the hell do you come up with this shit? Like, I'm like, you know what I mean? You're like, wow, man! Like, talk yourself into anything. So I'm listening to it. And I'm going, what the hell is he saying there? Like, the and the and it's funny because that intro kind of reminds me of Pressure off of the first Brother Kane album. Just. Just that intro, right? And then it, it kind of changes. Wow! Yeah, thank you. That's a great. Uh, that's a great comparison, right there. Yeah, that is the one song on the record that I wrote all by myself. Um, my favorite movie of all time is that great western Tombstone. Yeah, which is about you know the Wyatt Earp and his brothers and Doc Holliday and that whole period in the wild west and um val kilmer was fantastic yes. as doc holiday yes, in that movie and um there's just a line where the herb brothers are trying to convince doc 
that they have done the right thing to open this gambling casino. Right. And Doc is shaking his head like, I don't know, man. I, you guys are getting a little ahead of yourself. And Wyatt goes, well, you know, it's not like anybody's putting a gun to their head to spend all that money. And Doc goes, that's what I love about you, Wyatt. You can talk yourself into anything. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I had just watched that movie the night before with my son. And uh, I don't know, man. It just all came together really fast. I think I was listening to Audio Slave or... Uh, Rage Against the Machine. Brad Wilk is such a great drummer. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Phil Rudd from ACDC. So I was kind of in that simplicity of that kind of a drum groove. And man, the whole song came together in 15 minutes. Um, those, are, those are always my favorites. Yeah. Now let's discuss Shadow Country. <laughs> you know, that, that intro's got like a Black Sabbath type vibe. And it, it sounded like you were kind of feeling dark that day. But honestly, it's a great song. Um, I like the guitar. It's kind of low in the mix on the verse. It sounds really cool. Like, there's a lot of depth there. I mean, working with Nick, um, he seems to really work well with texturing. Um, and, it, and it shows on the album because as I'm listening, I was like, oh, what's going, what, what's going on there? And then you hear something else. And you, that's how I like to listen to music, right? And I'm sure you do as well. Well, Shadow Country is definitely, I think, the epic track on the entire Battle Lessons record. The thing you would be interesting to know about that one, Tyson, is that was a song that was written in the middle of the recording process. Really? Because, because of the coronavirus, we were only able to record the, the songs in groups of three. So the first three we recorded were Battle Lessons... Um, I'm sorry, I just, oh yeah, Battle Lessons Can't Clap Any Louder and Let the Healing Begin. And then Nashville went into a lockdown and everybody had to stay home. So while I was home, Nick had called and said, hey man, don't, uh, you know, don't stop writing. We've got a great record, but what if you can come up with one more song that's as good as the other ones? And when he said that, I thought, man... We don't need any more songs. <laughs> We're, the record's good. We're fine. Um, and my buddy Jim had sent me um, a sheet with some random lyrics on it and a piece of music that kind of had that riff. To me, it sounds like Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers by ZZ Top. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that anything that kind of has that sort of groove is going to get my attention. But again, man, I just stumbled on this creative burst and uh, I read a book last year called Shadow Country by Peter Matheson. It's, it's also an epic, um, kind of three books into one. So, uh, you know, there was, there's not like a chorus in that song. It's got some catchy sing-along thing. But the character in the song and the things he's dealing with were absolutely influenced by that book so i thought it was appropriate to to name the song shadow country i think the, the song really stands out it's a it's it's a really good tune really good like it's a little bit different than everything else it's a little like i said it's a little bit darker that intro is kind of dark but um i really really like that song well it's got the big tempo shift too in the middle uh that was another moment here and sitting here in this chair that I got That's super right. excited. Got the guitar part, right? You know, it changes. 
Yeah, man, because it's, you know, it's really kind of clipping along at a fast pace and then it just stops and then I go into this chug that's almost like a Kim Thale Soundgarden kind of thing, man, which I always love that as well. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm always listening to, like I say, my favorite records from from throughout rock history and, you know, there's some Queens of the Stone Age energy, I think, in some of those some of those chords that, that would play in the verse as well. So, uh, yeah, man, thanks for mentioning that song. Shadow Country's definitely one of my favorite. I like that one. Did So, in, in, like, in terms of recording guitarists, did you did you use different guitarists? Did you lo- use different amp configurations? Or did you kind of keep it what you're, like, kind of keep it the same? My favorite, my single favorite thing about working with Nick Rasculinix, besides just his ideas about every musical aspect of the songs, is that his guitar and amp collection is insane. Really? So... Um, most of the work and the time and the effort for me is spent on the writing and the arranging, you know, the lyrics, the vocals, all of that. The guitar energy, I, I feel really confident to just sort of wait until the end. So the way Nick likes to work is we track the drums. I play like a scratch rhythm part along with Jared when he's laying his drums down. Then we work on the vocals. And we kind of get those, you know, sort of drums, a rhythm guitar, and the vocals. Then we put the bass guitar on. And then it all starts to kind of come together. So then there's this, you know, moment where it's like, all right, man, now it's time to hit the green light. It's total guitar energy now. So he'll literally turn around in his chair, Tyson, and go, okay, man, what are you thinking on this song? What what amp do you want to try today? And I'll go, well, let's see. Let's, Let's plug in that Friedman and... I brought my Flying V and let's run it through this pedal and he'll just go get a box of pedals and just start turning knobs and he'll hit record, man. He's not precious about, oh, well, if we have to change something, we won't be able to replicate the sound. It's like, it's not about that, man. It's just, let's capture a moment where, yeah, yeah, where where everything sounds good. Yeah, lots of different amps, lots of different guitars on the whole record. Now, is your Burgundy Les Paul custom is that back in action now? Yeah, kind of, man. I, it's um, I definitely had my 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 great friend Tony. He set it up for me. It had been up and it had been put up for a while, but I got it back out, man. I mean, that guitar is such an important piece to me and my musical history that I wanted to at least have it to where it was, you know, in good working order. Uh, I played a show down in Huntsville, Alabama, about a month ago, and I took it down for that. And it just sounds great, man. It just it uh, it always feels like an old friend when I get it out. I I wouldn't necessarily say it's my favorite Les Paul now because since then, you know, I've had a chance to get some really, you know, just some special instruments. Um, I'm such a fan of Gibson's reissues. They've been just crushing it, man. Um, that the the green. That candy apple green Les Paul that I that had the custom shop make about five years ago. That's a 57 reissue that maybe my favorite. I've got another, uh, I've got a 59 that I love as well. So, uh, you know, I'll never be able to afford a real 59. But man, give the, the guitars Gibson are making now are, are to me, man, 
as good or better than they've ever done. So, the um, Les Paul is always going to be my go-to. But you know, I brought my Explorer, uh, that Flying V I talked about. Um, you know, there's a again the guitar stuff is fun, but yeah, man, I I, I got a warm fuzzy place in my heart for that that burgundy. Uh, wine red custom that's a special guitar yeah that's been i mean it's been what 25 30 years right it's crazy yeah really really more brother um i bought that guitar in 1980 wow it's a seven it's a 79 and i was in a garage band at the time and there was another guy older than me that had just bought that guitar brand new and he kept it a little while then he wanted to, you know, go and get something else. So I remember he sold it to me for 600 bucks. I saved my money working at the grocery store and uh, I just felt like, cause my playing was really starting to get better, but I knew I needed to get a real guitar to kind of take things to the next level. So man, when I got that Les Paul in my hands, I mean, I got really, really serious about everything related to guitar, to practicing, to playing. I started writing, you know, everything because of that guitar. So there's a, you know, I guess it was only fitting that that was the one I had in my hand making that first Brother Kane record. Really, the first two records that guitar is on a lot. So, um, yeah, man. And so... It's always fun when people ask about it. I love that guitar. I mean, I I got a, I think it's a 57 reissue gold top. And the one that I had before that was a 97 Les Paul Standard Black, and it got stolen, and I replaced it with this gold top. And you're right. The guitars that they're building out of there, it beats the crap out of that 97. It's just the way it feels, the way it plays, the way it sounds. It is unbelievable. Good for you, man. I'm sorry that guitar got stolen. Um, yeah, it's one of the other just fantastic advantages uh, for me living in Nashville now. Um, it's just crazy to think that, you know, I started Brother Kane in the early 90s, and we all lived in Birmingham. My manager was in Birmingham. Um, you know, we were kind of self-contained, and so that carried us through that you know, through the 90s over those three records. Well, then the next 20 years, man, I was all over the place. Different bands and travel and, you know, Alice Cooper, you know, et cetera. And then now, all of a sudden, man, I'm back to my manager is here. All my band guys are here. Um, my producer is here. And Gibson Guitars is here. It's like, man, I got, there's nothing <laughs> I need. Yeah. That's not literally 15 minutes, you know, down the highway from from my house. So it's uh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm I'm grateful for that, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm thinking back to, and I'm going to segue into this. I'm thinking back to that first tour when Brother Kane came to Toronto and played at RPM, I believe it was, on the very first tour. And I believe you, Brother Kane, did two cover songs. I think one was Jailbreak, and the other one was That Smell. By Leonard Skinner, and yeah. we're going to segue into that because you've recently been playing with Skinner. Yeah, man. Um, I'm still trying to kind of figure out why the universe would be 
so fantastic at this moment to kind of, uh, you know, gift us that, uh, an incredible opportunity like that. But it does make a, a lot of sense. Um, I've been, I guess Ricky Medlock and I have been friends now for 30 years. Uh, again, going back to that first Brother Kane record, we did two dates with his band Blackfoot in Texas the summer that Got No Shame was just starting to make some noise at radio. And he came out and watched his play. And of course, I couldn't, I couldn't help but say, you know, say to him what an influence he was because I loved all, I had every one of those Blackfoot records. And, you know, man, he could tell we were, we were just solid rock musicians from the South, you know, from Alabama. So he really took a shine to us. And we, we kept in touch. And then, of course, he, so he got the, he started playing guitar in Leonard Skinner in the late nineties. So uh, I feel like our relationship grew after that because whenever he would come to town, he would call me, invite me to the show. He was just always asking what I was doing, you know, wanted to hear what new record I had put out. He knew I would, he saw me play with Alice Cooper, et cetera, et cetera. So when you know when the legend Gary Rosington uh, had to go in and get a heart procedure done. Um, I guess it's been about a month ago now. You know, they had all these dates on the calendar, Tyson, and this is after being like everyone else, being sheltered at home, you know, no shows, no activity, no nothing for, for a year and a half. So he texted me one day and he said, hey man, have you got a minute for a phone call? And I said, sure. So he called me and he quickly added Johnny Van Zandt to the, to the phone call, you know, the three, uh, three ways. So they let me know what was up. And, you know, as soon as they started talking about the dates, I looked at my calendar. And of course, I had some things on my calendar that I was doing with the get ready. And, but I said, look, guys, I would, you know, I'm so flattered that you would call me. Um, Absolutely. You know, let me get busy working on these because there was going to be a rehearsal. I think it was six days later. Yeah. And, you know, they'd asked me to work on Gary's parts and do everything I could to try and replicate his parts note for note, which is exactly what I would have wanted to do myself. Right. Um, so, yeah, man, we did two shows and uh, we got a couple more coming up next week. And I'm bugged, you know, that's part of my daily routine right now as I revisit the recordings that I've got and I'm, you know, still trying to brush up on a lot of it. Um, it's just a crazy dream, Tyson. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Insane. I mean, I think it's awesome. You know, it's awesome, man. It's so awesome. You know, again, for kids, you know, growing up in the South in the, in the 70s like me, man, I mean, Leonard Skinner was our Beatles. And that's not an exaggeration. That's a, that's a real thing, man. We... We dissected every record, every song, every guitar solo, and trying to figure out which one is Ed King and which one is Alan Collins and which one is Gary. So um, I'm so grateful. And, you know, man, I'm working really hard. Like, I've got such respect for that legacy, of course. And the songs are iconic, iconic songs. So there's no messing around, man. I'm, I'm, I'm putting in the time and, and doing everything I can to, to give those songs the, the musicality that they certainly deserve. Well, I've never thought about it, but with three guitar players, how do you hear what's what? Like, there's probably not separated on either channel. Like, is it, do they do that? 
I've, I've never, never listened, listened to it that closely. No, not really, man. I mean, again, it's just because I've been a fan for so many years. You got to remember, too, Brother Kane did a lot of shows yep. supporting Leonard Skinner in the, on that first tour. So, right. you know, getting to go out and watch the show every night. You know, we would finish our set, get our gear off stage, get a, get a little bit of food, and I would go straight to the soundboard and watch the show. That's awesome. So I began to really get a handle on, oh, okay. So that's Gary that plays the solo in Simple Man, and then Alan Collins plays the solo in Needle in the Spoon, et cetera, et cetera. So I know that that helped me a lot. Because, um, man, they didn't send me any music. They said, hey, we put a live record out two years ago, and there's a ton of stuff on YouTube. And I went, cool, I got it. Let me get busy. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing about YouTube now, right? Because <laughs> like, when, we when we were growing up, I mean, you had to put on the record, right? Bro, bro, listen. Hey, I mean, I guess that's why, maybe that is why the universe has been so good to me and my resume, Tyson, because, man, I put in hours and hours and hours, you know, lifting the needle up on the record, backing it up, and, you know, trying to play it right, and then go, ah, that's not right, and back it up again. You know, there was just... I was obsessed with it, man, and uh, there was there was no band I moved the needle on more than Leonard Skinner, you know, and because yeah, there's a beautiful simplicity to, especially the rhythm guitar chords. You know, you could I, I couldn't put on a Van Halen record and just sit down and start playing right. that stuff. It was way too complex in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but you could you could figure out some of those Leonard Skinner songs, and that's what made it so much fun for me and my friends in high school to play those in our, in our band. That's awesome. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you for joining me once again. I know you've uh, got to go off and you've got another one. You've, it sounds like you've got a busy day. So I appreciate it, man. It's always great to catch up. Tyson, it's my pleasure, man. Listen, my best to your family and thank you for, uh, you know, for all the kind words about battle lessons. Um, we're getting ready to try to, we got to get confirmation on a couple things, but one of the things I'm most excited about is there's a handful of dates in Leonard Skinner's tour cycle in November where the third act on the bill is going to be Damon Johnson and the Get Ready. That's awesome. So credit to my manager, Kevin, and to their management for being open to the idea. And, uh, you know, so I'm really excited about that. So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, and be able to look out for that vinyl. It's coming soon. Perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll see you in the future at a show, whatever. Um, but uh, all the best. Yeah, man. man. For sure, man. Love to get up to Canada. Hopefully sooner rather than hopefully. later. And hopefully. You guys, you guys stay healthy up there, man. Okay, man. We'll have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. You be too. Safe. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.